0: You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show, where we invite a panel of experts each week to hear about their incredible journey and career paths. On today's show, we're talking to Trent and Carl. Trent is a house student seeking to deepen his understanding of Islam in order to become part of the communal project of deepening Islam's roots in America. This week's show is brought to you by Altima Care. As usual, I'm Fatima Al sayed your talk show host. Make sure to tune in to the talk show every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And remember, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask. You can just leave them in the comments section. Assalamu alaikum. How are you today?
1: Well, salam. I'm doing well. How about yourself?
0: Doing well. Thank you. It's a pleasure having you on today's show.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: So my first question for you would be, what led you on the path of studying housing?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think I think to really understand that, you kind of have to back up a little bit, um, because Mm -hmm. all of that started when um, I first became Muslim in the first place. Um, So I became Muslim in 2007, um, after kind of grappling with Christianity, which was a tradition I grew up with, and Mm -hmm. which I personally myself to in my early teen years, and After many months of of reading about Islam and um, exploring other traditions as well and other religions, um, I kind of accepted what my internal moral compass told me and that I should uh, become Muslim. And it was kind of after that, that I began to um, listen to a lot of lectures online um, and seeing these lectures of scholars um, uh, presents kind of an Islamic worldview with uh, such a handle on a wide range of topics um, in terms of Islamic sciences that uh, really mm. kind of created an, uh, an internal kind of intellectual curiosity inside of me. I remember just several months after becoming Muslim, uh, telling my mother, you know, I think I want to be, you know, a scholar of Islam. And of course, for my family, they're not Muslim, and they're they're just trying to cope with the fact that their son had become Muslim. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was obviously a, a big change for her, because you know, not only am I changing my religion, but I'm saying I want to kind of dedicate my life to it, your
0: whole life to and, it,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, and we have we have um, kind of ministers in our family um, mm-hmm. who are Christian she had a little bit of a sense of what that would mean. And that was, um, mm-hmm. it was difficult for her to swallow, I think, and for my father to swallow, but mm-hmm. um, they saw the kind of intellectual curiosity. And so it was from there, from, from being inspired by uh, listening to various scholars that uh, I kind of was bit by the bug, so to speak.
0: Mm-hmm. Was there a certain like, specific moment that you felt, you know, this is what I want to do?
1: No, I think it was an accumulation of experiences. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so after I became Muslim, I realized that I I needed to really get a handle on the faith, on, on the tradition, mm-hmm. intellectual tradition itself. And so I would I would drive to a local park um, on the weekends uh, when I wasn't at school, and um, I had the time. Uh, the only way to listen to lectures was. Um, kind of mobile would be to have an iPod with you. So I would load my iPod uh, P3s that I had downloaded, and I'd have a – this was in Houston. It was a little warm. I had a cup of Mm -hmm. iced tea with me, Mm -hmm. and I'd drive to the park and kind of set up a picnic, so to speak, and sit and listen. And it was was an accumulation of those experiences on the weekends that kind of really inspired um, Mm -hmm. that feeling. I remember the moment, vaguely, I can picture the moment when I decided to think I want to do this in my home. But um, I think it was really that accumulation of, of many hours listening to lectures.
0: And how did you begin to study uh, Islam?
1: Yeah, so um, uh, I was a sociology major um, initially when I became Muslim during the first year of my uh my college experience and um, I was living in Houston at the time and uh, I didn't feel like I was being challenged at the school uh, that I attended so I decided to make a move to Chicago um, to do a five-year um, BA plus MA sociology track that DePaul University had and upon moving to Chicago and beginning my first um, semester of classes then um, I realized that they had an Islamic studies program and uh, as an undergraduate program, and that was unique. Uh, many, Most schools do not have an Islamic studies uh, program. Uh, most of them just have a general religious studies program. So I decided to scrap my sociology pursuit and um, decided that, you know, though this wasn't traditional studies, which is what I had in mind when I decided I wanted to pursue a, a career path or I intellectual path Islamic studies, I decided, well, this might be a good first step. So I uh, began studying um, at the undergraduate level of Islamic studies, and um, I graduated with my BA in Islamic studies in 2011, and um, had been accepted to uh, several master's programs in Islamic studies, which I um, intended to pursue. Uh, with the ultimate intention of becoming a Ph.D. in Islamic studies. Mm. And after some consultation with a couple other academics, as well as with um, some traditionally trained scholars, um, I was convinced that I should not pursue the M.A., that instead I should uh, go overseas to begin my Arabic studies more intensively. Mm -hmm and um, save the money that I was paying for the MA for uh, travel abroad. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. So after graduation, I decided to decline the acceptance that I had from uh, the Claremont graduate program and um, had made the intention and had made some networking uh, commitments um, in Syria and I was going to move to Syria. And then just several months later, the, uh, the uh, uprising in Syria became Uh, made it too difficult to travel there. Um, So instead, uh, for the the following year, I worked in the Islamic Studies program at T'Pol University Mm -hmm. with Dr. Amin and McLeod. Did
0: you end
1: up somewhere else? Yeah. um, So I I was intending to move to Syria. Then that all fell apart. So Mm -hmm. a job landed in my lap, thanks to God, um, (laughs) in the Islamic Studies program. And it was uh during my year um working as a TA and research assistant there that um I actually uh traveled to Iran for a um a conference mm-hmm. and after some consultation with some scholars there I was told that um I would be able to attain a visa um in uh, the following year. Mm-hmm. So I actually decided to move from Chicago to Denver, Colorado, where my family lives mm-hmm. and my intention was to um you know, store my belongings in my family's home and to move overseas to Iran to start my traditional studies. And unfortunately for various reasons, for geopolitical reasons, um I was not able to secure a, a visa. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was kind of hurdle number two. The first hurdle was uh, the Syrian uprising, creating a problem with me going overseas to study in Syria. And now two years later, I was, uh, or a year later, I was, I was dealing with the uh, problem of trying to get a visa into Iran. Mm-hmm. And it was it was after that, that um, uh, Saeed Suleiman Hassan, a scholar here in Chicago, informed me that he, um, him and Sheikh Faizi that they would both be opening a seminary based in Chicago mm-hmm. and um, uh, he said basically you know if you want to turn around and make them move back to Chicago <laughs> then um, in the coming year yeah. or two we will be opening our doors and you can be part of the pilot program of students um, at a seminary here in the states
0: mm-hmm. and
1: in 2014 the Afrobeat Islamic Seminary officially opened its doors and uh, that's when uh, I began officially my traditional studies.
0: So what made you make that big change between studying Islam um, you know in the academic way and then studying it to become a scholar? It's a very different space to be.
1: Yeah the the academy focuses on um, uh, kind of analysis of the, tri- the Islamic intellectual tradition and the history of the Islam- of Islamic civilization kind of from an arm's length. Right? <laughs> you're kind of observing this tradition as an outsider. That's kind of the, the, the default standpoint of mm. an, academician, um, an academic. Is that you're looking at this thing and analyzing it. Um but not not typically as a participant, and um after spending uh a year as a research assistant and teaching assistant in an Islamic studies program, um I felt that I wanted to to my my intellectual curiosity stemmed from being a participant or a an, an adherent to the faith itself um not by just analyzing um uh from an outsider point of view, the the tradition and how it flourished, but rather being part of the tradition itself. And uh in addition, um I saw how uh the how an academic is, is asked to um, do a lot of paperwork and there's there's a lot of fluff in the academy that mm-hmm. takes away from teaching and research. Um that I saw was a pain point for a lot of the professors that I was working with. Mm-hmm. Um, did you end
0: up doing your so master's or PhD?
1: I did not. I oh, okay. I declined my my master's acceptance and instead opted for the traditional study route.
0: Mm. And then the traditional study route. What um, led you on that path?
1: So, uh, my my main interest. Um, when I I first started, um, was to explore the relationship between Islamic law and Islamic ethics and Mm -hmm. uh, with the ultimate goal of trying to explore how the Muslim community in the United States could act as a role model for society at large in um, constructing a more holistic communal life. Um, Mm -hmm. So questions about, for instance, the state of the economy, questions about the state of the ecological crisis. Um, these are kind of the things that were on my mind when I initially wanted to uh, begin studying. And mm-hmm. uh, the forte of the hausa is to study Islamic law, because that's not the forte of the the um, academy. Um, mm-hmm. So that was another draw to enter the hausa, is that, that's its specialization, to study Fiqh as
0: what advice would you give someone who is going into housing at the moment? What's something you wish you knew before you got in?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, First point would be um, if you're intending to to study traditionally in the future, then begin your Arabic studies now. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if you have some familiarity, then tighten um, your Arabic studies because as the, the tighter your arabic is the easier the easier the rest of your studies will go and if you're intending on going overseas to iran then begin your your farsi studies as well mm-hmm. in the states we don't we don't have have that issue yet but know that we're con- concluding our program and several of us intend to go overseas to iran we also have to begin our farsi studies mm-hmm. but but better, because the better your studies will be. Um, and the second thing that I don't think I realized, um, but now with several years of experience, I think I've I've kind of tuned into, mm-hmm. is part of the Hausa uh, curriculum and the kind of ethos of the Hausa is is to trans to transform the person, but not not really through the books that you're reading, but through your interactions with your teachers. So... In what uh, way? Well, I think the Akhlaki points that I've learned over the last several years have come mm-hmm. primarily through working with my teachers in various settings, either in communal settings or in um, organizing programs or mm-hmm. in national conference. I've seen how my teachers have um, dealt with um, adversity or dealt with disagreements. And as role models, I've, I've learned lessons through that. But I've, you're not going to really get from an Oklahoma book, per se. You get it through experiencing and watching a pious person go through life. And so as a student, you need to be open to those learning experiences and be open to being moldable Um, because sometimes a teacher might kind of drop a hint that something you're doing or some way you're acting, maybe um, you could do something better than that, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Or you need to change in some certain ways. And I think as Western people, that's hard to to swallow sometimes because we're taught to, you know, embrace our personality and be you Mm -hmm. and let me live, these kinds of phrases. Um, but the house is really about transformation. Um, and so to be, to enter the house with an open heart and open mind to different ways of approaching problems um, and being open to learning new ways of approaching problems and approaching problems within your own self, I think is a, is a really key point for new students. It's a little vague, but it, you kind of learn what that means as you step mm-hmm.
0: Do you um, dedicate all of your time to how Do you still try to be a part of the community as a whole?
1: Yeah, one of the um, one of the the strong points of a seminary in the United States is it offers its students an opportunity to work with communities in real time, so to speak. Mm. Uh, so for two years until just recently. I was a youth director at um, a community here in Chicago. Um, Several of my colleagues, as well as uh, myself, um, we have um, given lectures at various uh, mosques throughout the country. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, One of uh, of our other classmates, he teaches an Arabic class for the community at large here in Chicago, Uh, another one also plays the role as a youth director at a different mosque. Um, so yeah, we've, we've all played various roles um, within the communities here stateside as well, mm-hmm. which is a strong point because sometimes if you go overseas, you kind of lose touch with kind yeah. of community concerns at hand.
0: And then you come back to live in that community and community and work in that community, and you sort of don't know what's going on in it
1: yeah and that that's a natural um effect of, of going overseas and of course yeah. going overseas has lots of benefits as well but um, of course you know our our community here in chicago has has begun to, to talk about um an interesting idea for trying to solve that gap um, mm-hmm. or bridge that gap um, and uh, they're beginning to talk about developing a fellowship program that would kind of act like an almost like an internship um kind of to use colloquial terms for Mm -hmm. scholars who have been overseas for many years and who want to come back and serve in the U.S. or in Canada um basically they would transition through this fellowship program and they would work alongside a scholar who's been established in the U.S. for several years to learn tips and tricks of how to uh, deal with various community issues counseling um problem solving working with you know if, if your if your locale has several institutions Muslim institutions in one city how do you create relationships between those institutions etc right it yeah. serves as a time for the person who's been overseas for the scholar who's been overseas to come back and reacclimate to the um, landscape of the Shi community here mm-hmm.
0: Now, in terms of job opportunities, uh, does going to into housing and studying mean you have to become uh, a scholar at a mosque, so a alim? Um. Um, so that that is
1: the predominant model in the West, um, mm-hmm. as it's been um, the the elder community who has spent so much time and effort and money in establishing the various mosques and centers throughout the country, and may God bless them for that, um, they've established a model wherein you basically have one scholar per center who plays multiple mm-hmm. functions, leads prayers, gives lectures, does counseling, does marriages, funerals, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. And um, that is still the predominant model, and there are many, many um, communities that still are in need of a resident island, um, but we're also seeing um, some recognition by various communities, especially as, as communities have grown and um, kind of uh, become more established, that there are needs and needs that maybe one person cannot handle um, so in in other words there's a need for some sense of specialization, so as an example, there are some uh, scholars on the West Coast who have began talking about the need for uh, traditionally trained ulema to come back and learn um, and become uh, familiar with counseling practices and mental health mm-hmm. issues because that's becoming a, a, a concern in our communities here. Or for instance, um, like I mentioned, some of uh, my classmates and myself, we've played the role of youth director. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: and at least at one mosque, that mosque has one or two ulama playing various roles already. But the, the community saw there's a need for a specialized person to work with youth in particular, because the concerns are different. Um, the personality needed is different. Mm-hmm. And we've also seen other models uh, develop. So if you look at, for instance, the website um, Islamic Literacy, Sheikh Azran to. Um, offers uh, an online interface for um, continuing education for adult muslims adult Shi' Muslims in particular mm-hmm. um, and serves a, a different subset of the community for instance, people who might live in cities that don 't have an established mosque but they still want to learn well, how will they, they get that education well the internet offers um, opportunities for that
0: mm-hmm. and
1: kind of addition, this last thing that comes to the top of my head, is um, we are seeing um, traditionally trained scholars begin to play the function of university chaplain, for instance, or hospital chaplain. Um, I know at least two, uh, actually at least three ulema who um, work in universities and in hospitals as chaplains, religious chaplains. So. There is, it seems that there is a need for more specialization or for more diversity now. Um, And in some cases, one island is playing the role of resident island at their local center. And they're also, like on the weekends, for instance, serving as a chaplain elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's new opportunity. But I think for anybody who goes into the seminary, goes into the hausa, they should keep in mind that when they come back, um, they're going to be blazing new paths. Um, There's not kind of a pipeline. You know, you're not going to medical school and, well, what do you do with a medical degree? Well, you become a doctor. That's the pipeline. Uh, for a seminarian, the, pipe is, the pipeline is not as clear. The path toward a career, quote, unquote, is not as clear. So
0: mm-hmm. What is it that you want to do? What is your goal when you're done?
1: Yeah, I I think I think um, yeah, I'm kind of in in the midst of my studies right now, and mm-hmm. I think everybody in the middle of their studies are trying to figure out, OK, what am I what am I doing? Um, where am I going? Um, so I haven't answered that fully for myself, but I, I do have interest in working with um, um, university communities, campus communities, um, in my experience. Um, and the experience of many of my friends, um, whether born Muslim or or converted into the religion, um, that that universe, those four years of university, are really can be very transformative. Can be transformative uh, toward religion, or can be very transformative uh, away uh, from your religion. Um, so I think working with campus communities is can be very very fruitful and very. Um, uh, engaging um, of career path um, or or perhaps you might call it a calling instead um, and then similarly I think that our community um, is maturing and developing and there's a need for a lot a lot of um, uh, positions to be filled for instance in terms of education um, so, I have interest in working in curriculum development for sonic high schools, um, and I also have interest in uh, curriculum development for continuing um, adult education uh, because I think our community lacks some of those resources, and um, I think we we need to begin thinking about these um, gaps that we have uh, into the future and alongside of that I think part of living the tradition of the house or being part of the house uh, you you realize that you do have a duty to play those quote-unquote traditional ro- roles as well um, so when I talk about people moving into chaplaincy or uh, working as a rector at a at, at an Islamic high school that that doesn't mean that it's somehow divorced from mm-hmm. the traditional roles of leading prayer or lecturing or um, counseling people through marriage or counseling people through, mm-hmm. you know, their life problems. Those are all kind That's, of, will all kind of be built in. Um,
0: mm-hmm. the question it's just is doing more and taking out. that extra step.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a question of how can you branch out and extend yourself, but not cut yeah. yourself off from those traditional roles as well. mm
0: mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned that going into seminar or house was kind of a calling for you. How does one know that this is what he or she wants to do? <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> I don't know. It's,
1: it's, it's probably like anything else except that um, in, in, insofar as when people have a passion for a thing, Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, sometimes that passion might might be kind of rolled up with um, other benefits. So you might have a passion for medicine. Um, a, a lot of people don't have a passion for medicine. They they mm-hmm. want to be stable. But if you have a a passion for uh, studying in the seminary, there isn't really a a monetary benefit for you after the fact. So I think someone will know if they really want to do this if mm-hmm. after consideration of um, kind of questions of stability and questions of um, financial gain, if they've realized that um, those may not be there immediately, or at least not so clearly. I mean, God takes care mm-hmm. of who who he wills. Um, but if, if the path to Financial stability, for instance, is not very clear but somebody still wants to um, move along that path. Then I think they know that there's a calling for them, that they they have a real sincere kind of passion for that study mm-hmm. and And I think we all have that in one way or or another. Um, we're doing different things in our lives. You know? sometimes we sink mm-hmm. our time into hobbies or into volunteering where it's mm-hmm. serving the community as Sunday school teachers or many other facets of our communal life, we really? realize we have a passion for something and we, we sacrifice our time or our wealth
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, toward developing our mosque or our schools or whatever. Um, so I don't think it's that much different than that, um, mm-hmm. except that it's just something that maybe encompasses your life more, more fully because the yeah. requirements of house studies it was like full time, nose in the books type of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And what is so it like of studying? Of,
1: like, like- Sorry. Is it like studying?
0: Yeah, studying the houses. So, what, what, what's like the best way you can describe it to someone who doesn't has no idea what it's like?
1: Yeah. So, so when we use the word study. Um, I think a lot of us think of you know the way we studied in high school or in college, Mm -hmm. and um, it's a little different than that. In the sense that um, I think the way we, at least in my experience, um, the way my undergraduate classes worked is that you're assigned several books for you know uh, a quarter or for a semester, Mm -hmm. and kind of the goal is to kind of skim through those books. I mean, you read them. I don't mean skim them like in a in a negative way but read them and you're looking for breadth of knowledge rather than depth of knowledge
0: yeah
1: rather than like precision and so you read a lot of texts um you might be assigned many thousands of pages to read in a particular um semester and I'm, I'm coming from the humanities and social sciences, so maybe medicine is totally different. Engineering is probably very different because mm. precision is more important there. Um, and then you you write papers, right? And it's kind of interesting because you get to read all these different things, and you get to explore different ideas. Whereas in the seminary, um, your your task is not to read, you know, ten books a semester. Uh, Your task is really to read maybe two books of a semester. And your classes may not be lecture format where somebody's giving you um, a wide range of ideas on the thing. Your classes kind of stick to the text. So, in, you know, just as an example, um, you know, our Islamic law class, you get through maybe half a page of a book. Maybe a page of a book, um, if it's a an easier passage for one class. Mm. and your job that day is to then reread that passage several times, understand how the Arabic is working grammatically, understand mm. the argumentation uh, inherent in the passage, and then, after spending an hour or two hours with that one page. This is after class. So now you've spent maybe three hours with that one page. Then you team up with a buddy, with a, a classmate, and you do a study session with them, a mubahatha with them, and you reach reached the same lesson. Okay. And so really you're focused on line by line, word by word, letter by letter study of of a particular book. So it's mm-hmm. not as far ranging, it's not as, there's not as much breadth, the breadth of knowledge will come in your ability to push yourself after your study sessions and after your classes Mm -hmm. to then read um, other texts that give a different perspective on the same issue, for instance, or if you're only taking an Islamic law and a principles of law class and a and school class, then Maybe in your evening time, you spend time working on reading Tafsir, for instance, and mm-hmm. doing a lot more self-study. So it's, it's very different in that you're working much more precisely and mm-hmm. much in terms of much more granular study, whereas at least in the social sciences and humanities background, you're doing a lot more far-reaching reading, big yeah. ideas, right? Within one or two classes, you've explored 400 years of the intellectual history of Psychology. You don't do that as much (laughs) in the house. And
0: And you think, oh, I read so many books.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, if you talk to people who who are, for instance, historians, uh, Mm -hmm. you ask them about their their PhD experience, and they'll talk about how many, you know, tens of thousands of pages they read per semester. Mm You know, whereas if you talk to a seminarian and at least the core of the curriculum. Ask yeah. them to read, maybe like, you might get to like a book and a half in the semester, for instance. Now that, that's for the curriculum itself. You, you're, you're told to read outside of that. But mm-hmm. for the classes in particular, they sometimes, especially in your early years, they tell you, just read this book, don't read anything else. Don't read articles, don't read anything. Just read this book over and over again as your mm-hmm. language skills continue to develop. So that's a little less exciting, quote unquote, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's important but, to note for someone who does want to um,
1: enter housing, it, and the payoff is is um, I mean, just earlier this morning I was revisiting a book that I started that that we went through you know, four years ago now, and mm-hmm. I remember how difficult that that book was, and now it, it's it's nothing. There's no, it, like it's like an easy read almost, mm-hmm. and when you think back at okay, how much you know how much a person can learn in a couple of years' time mm-hmm. in a different language. You realize how much discipline you put into your studies. Those are kind of the payoffs of that, of that granular study. Is it, it? You're working different muscles, you know, study muscles, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's part of the transformation of uh, of the individual to be able to cut off other distractions and say. Yeah. Okay, I really have to focus on reading these five lines over and over again.
0: Would you recommend someone um, get an an academic degree in something before they enter Hamza?
1: Yeah, so that's that's kind of a debated topic. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Our seminary here in Chicago, the Ahlul Bayt Islamic Seminary, the general recommendation is that um, it is beneficial for you to have some sort of undergraduate degree before entering mm-hmm. because the the um, the expectation is that after you're finished with your studies, whatever your studies uh, terminate, um, which studies never really terminate. You're always, uh, if you're mm-hmm. in the house, you're kind of a student for life. But after you decide you're going to come back and serve a community, Um, You're going to be interfacing with people who, who, you know, more than likely want to uh, have a university background Mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, have specializations in various fields and lines of work. So it's beneficial for a seminarian to to have um, kind of what is kind of the standard for our society's education level. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, That said, it's not a requirement for the seminarian. any seminary as far as i know um but it's beneficial but it, it's beneficial especially if you're going to be working with educated populations mm-hmm. um because you're not going to get that like i said the breadth of study that you're going to get in your undergraduate degree um is not that's not going to be present in the in the seminary itself Now, the it? house its focus is totally different
0: now before we end the show would is there anything Last piece of advice, or something you'd like to say to our audience?
1: Yeah, I think that um, sometimes when we think about the Hausa, when we think about the seminary, um, and we think about Ulema, uh some sometimes we we think that you know, the, one person coming from the seminary is going to come from the house and kind of like fix fix all of our problems. Hmm. But I think from what I've understood from my teachers and um, what I've understood from the history of the of house um, in Islamic civilization is that the seminary and the the community at large are intertwined and interlinked and they depend on one another. And hmm. the the horizon of possibilities what the community considers possible for itself what its um, outlook of future goals is will directly affect and influence um, people who go and study in the hausa and mm-hmm. similarly the ideas of the seminarians from the hausa who come back will influence um, and help define what the community considers possible for itself into the future And as the community is developing and is maturing and is deepening its roots here in the US and in Canada and in Western civilization in general, I think that interplay is really important because everybody in the community has um, a dynamic role to play in, for instance, setting up new institutions, in educating its young people, et cetera. And in playing a role as a role model for um, civilization at large, and so um, you know sometimes you hear people talk about the seminary as if it's some kind of alien place over there, or mm-hmm. um, you know I think that people should feel a sense of um, of interconnectedness with it and, um, and and should aspire to be connected to um, to house the learning and seminary education and seminarians themselves um, for the health of the community. And in, in terms of praying for the health of our houses and also in terms of giving advice and offering um, new ideas for, for seminarians as they come back to serve our communities.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Trent, for sharing your inspiring story and so, so valuable advice.
1: Well, thank you for having me, it was a pleasure.
0: You were just listening to the UMentor talk show. If you miss this or future shows, you can always hear the replay on the you Mentor website under prior talk shows. And while you're, while you're there, why not subscribe to our iTunes podcast so you never miss another show. If you want to reach out to, today, to today's speaker or speakers from any of our previous shows to ask these professionals any questions you may have, please visit our online platform at umojaoutreach.org slash unleash the future slash groups. Or just visit us on the Uventra website and hit the link for online platform. Be sure to tune in next week on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for another speaker and more stories. Thank you for listening to our panel today on Facebook Live.